0: I have grown to love immensely since moving to Louisiana, and I've shared with some of you this, is fishing. It's not something that I did a whole lot in Virginia. We might have done it a little bit at the beach, uh, in the outer banks when I was growing up. And I don't know what it is about throwing a line in, sitting by the water and just enjoying nature in that way, but I'm hooked. I know, awful pun. You're probably aware, though, that Louisiana has some of the best fishing in the world. And so even though I'd only done this, you know, occasionally throughout my life, I found a growing interest when I moved here in this sport. I fished a few times down in the marshes of pointe au shan for redfish, for largemouth bass on LSU Lake, Lake Martin, the Basin. But believe it or not, and I'm letting out my secret here, my largest catch to date was in the Perkins Road Community Park pond. I kid you not. There's just an unbelievable amount of good fishing in this state. And I'd like to say that because of this, I can relate, or that I have some special understanding of the people in our story today. Simon, Andrew, James, and John. But, as you know, the fishermen that we read about in the scriptures, they weren't just doing it for fun. They were very literally making their living fishing, catching fish. And so when they encountered Jesus on the Sea of Galilee for the first time, We imagine what transpires is quite intriguing. We turn our attention this morning, perhaps from that sense of defiant hopefulness that we proclaimed at the end of 2020, and toward an active movement toward participating in a more hopeful future. So, hear these words from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus walked alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said, and I will show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. Continuing on, he saw another set of brothers. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. It's sort of a curious passage, really. Jesus has just been through his famous temptations in the wilderness. He's proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven is near. He's just challenged everyone to repent and join in with what's happening around them. And by the way, this is probably a sermon for another time, but repent just means to turn in a different direction or maybe to change your mind about something. But then, Jesus walks by the Sea of Galilee for really who knows what purpose. Maybe he was just taking a stroll. Whatever his reasons, he was there and he finds four young men, two sets of brothers. He sees Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. And Jesus invites them, saying simply, hey, follow me. And they just up and leave what they were doing and follow this strange itinerant preacher. And then further down the shore, he sees two more brothers, James and John, who were also fishermen. They were working on fixing their nets. And Jesus calls them as well, and they decide to leave too. They even left their father behind, sitting in the boat to finish repairing the nets himself. And it's strange. Why did they leave? We might speculate all day long, but Matthew, he just doesn't give us a reason. Just a random stranger walking along the beach who says, Hey, you, I want you to stop what you're doing and come walk behind me. We're going somewhere. Now, if I were them, I think I might want a little bit more information first. But of course, they don't get any. It's a really short text, just four verses. It's different than what we might want to imagine happened here that Andrew, Peter, James, and John had a chance to question Jesus to make sure that it was a wise and smart decision to leave everything behind and follow this guy. I think that's what most of us might want to do, but they don't. The text is simple and to the point. Jesus tells them to follow, and at the drop of a hat, or perhaps a net, they just do. Matthew uses a word here that usually only Mark uses. It's the Greek word euthus, which means immediately or right away. And we see it all over the Gospel of Mark. And immediately they did this. Immediately they went here. Immediately he said to them such and such. But Matthew usually slows the pace a little bit. He walks us through the story, providing a lot of detail. Not here. Jesus said, follow me, no introduction, no explanation, and immediately they left everything to follow him. Does this unsettle you? Does it make you uncomfortable at all? It makes me uncomfortable. Jesus just barges into their lives. He asks them to drop everything, everything, figuratively and literally. They drop their nets. They drop their bait, they drop their jobs, they drop their family and their friends, their livelihood. Just so we're on the same page here, there's nothing in this passage about them accepting Jesus as a Savior or saying that he's Messiah. That comes later. There's nothing about them accepting having an empty void in their lives that they just need Jesus to fill because their lives are so much of a wreck that they can't help but do anything else. Here in this text, there's none of that sentimentality. And in fact, it's pretty clear, they had their lives together. They had good jobs, they were making a living, even if it wasn't making them wealthy. They had family and friends. They were doing pretty well. And they leave it all, making a conscious choice that somehow this is what they needed to do today. And of course, this is one of the passages that we look to, to give us a picture of discipleship, to give us a picture of what a life of faith looks like. To be honest, that's not what my life looks like most of the time. It might not be what most of our lives look like. Most of the time, I think if we hear Jesus' voice at all, if we're listening and we hear him say, follow me, we might be cutting and running the other direction, or at least ignoring it. I wonder if you can relate to that. I wonder if you've ever felt that God was calling you to do something that was difficult. We sort of wiggle our way out of doing it because it's hard. Now, I don't think that's a reflection on our desire to follow. That's not an accusation. It's just honest. Following doesn't come easy because we know deep down what following requires it requires dropping things, it requires leaving some things behind though, maybe in the case of this year, we might want to leave some things behind. It requires saying no to some things in order to say yes to others. It Requires letting go of our ego, of our control, and it requires this every single day, not just once. It's about literally choosing in a moment or maybe in every moment To look at what we're doing, to examine our lives, and if they don't match what it seems Jesus is calling us to do or where Jesus is calling us to go, then we drop it and we go in another direction. And it can be really hard, right? What might be encouraging for us to hear, though, is that following Jesus is not often about the big things the big life-changing decisions, but about the small things, the things that we can manage to do every single day in the midst of our normal, everyday lives. You may have heard of Jane Elliott, who's an American educator. She was an elementary school teacher in the 1960s during the Civil Rights Movement. She turned on her TV on the evening of April 4th, 1968, to find that Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated. And just a few months before, she was teaching her students about how much of a hero this man was. And now he was dead. So she took this and she devised a plan. She thought, I'm going to try to teach these kids something. In her small elementary classroom, she wanted to help her students experience what it would be like to be discriminated against. Many of her students had never felt that. So she created what is now known it's a famous uh, blue eyes, brown eyes experiment or exercise. She separated her students into artificial groups based on their eye color. And she told them that the ones with brown eyes were smarter and more capable than the ones with blue eyes. You can imagine how the blue eyes felt. And it's an exercise that Uh, You know, she didn't intend this, but it has been used countless times since then for diversity education. She was ostracized by almost everyone she knew for taking up the cause of fighting racism. And it even had consequences for her husband and her children because they were simply associated with her. But the work was too important to stop, and her family understood this. Though it's now a famous exercise, at the time, it was just Jane. Just Jane and her students in her small classroom as she tried to make a difference the best way she knew how. And I think discipleship, following Jesus, might be a little bit like this. It might be that Jesus calls us to use what we have To use who we are, to use our present situations and lives, and to start there and to infuse them with meaning and purpose and passion in a new way. We often like to say that we are also called, like those four disciples in our stories, to be fishers of people. But I think. Maybe. Jesus only used that metaphor with them because they were fishermen. You have to imagine that if they were farmers, Jesus might have instead said, Come, follow me, and I will teach you how to plant seeds for God's kingdom. Or if they were carpenters, Come, follow me, and I will teach you how to build a community of character and faith and love or maybe for Jane Elliott, come, follow me, and I'll show you how to teach not just information, but acceptance and love of all God's children. And so I wonder what it might be for you. If Jesus were calling you to follow him, what do you think he would say? Perhaps if we think about following in this way, That Jesus calls us as we are, calling us to use our gifts and passions that we already have. Maybe it's a bit easier to wrap our minds around. Did you know, by the way, that in ancient Judaism, it was the student, the disciple, who would initiate the process of following a rabbi? They would have to apply, in a sense. They would have to ask first and prove themselves worthy through interviews and uh, tests of character. And a rabbi might sift through an assortment of applicants and choose only the best few of them. The point being that a rabbi didn't approach a student and invite them to be a disciple. It just wasn't how things were done. But Jesus did. There's something different about this rabbi. He walks up to these young men as they're doing their regular everyday jobs, and he invites them in a way that no other rabbi would. And to be one of these disciples, and to see a rabbi approaching you on the shore, and to be invited, I think might instill a sense of confidence in you that no one else had given you. He affirms their gifts and their skills that they have learned as fishermen, and he invites them to take them and to go deeper, to use them for great good in the world. When you think about it this way, maybe it's no surprise that they left everything to follow, to be caught up in a greater work, a greater story that would take them on adventures they could only dream of. And maybe it's the same for us. While following Jesus can be very, very difficult, it can take us to many challenging and difficult places, I don't believe that Jesus calls us away from who we are, but rather deeper into who God created each of us to be, that we might use what God has given us for greater and ever more meaningful purposes. He says to the fisherman, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. To the farmer, follow me, and you will plant seeds in God's kingdom. To the carpenter, follow me, and I'll teach you how to build communities of character and love and faith. To the mother or father, follow me, and I'll show you how to raise up the next generation of movers and shakers in the world. To the doctor or nurse, follow me, and I'll show you how to heal the sick of heart and cure the blind in spirit. To the mechanic, follow me, and I'll show you how to repair the brokenness in creation. And on, and on, and on. So where do you find yourself in this story? How might Jesus be calling you in your life? To follow. As you reflect on this question, may you feel affirmed in who God created you to be. May you know that you are valued enough and loved enough for this rabbi to approach you and call you to follow him. And may you know that as you do, you can transform the world around you, even in this crazy year we're in and entering starting right where you are amen this morning for our time of reflection we'll spend it in silence together and i invite you to use this time to listen listen to how god is speaking to your heart what might god be calling you to do in this new year.
1: Will you come and follow me if I would call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my name be known? Will you let my life be grown? you in me Lord your summons echoes true in you but call my name let me turn and follow you and never be the same in your company i'll go where your love and footsteps show thus i'll move and live and grow
0: I have just two very brief um, announcements, things to let you know about that are coming up this month. Uh, The first is we're uh, kicking back off our first Wednesdays, this Wednesday, um, with uh, a meal and some time for kids, time for um, uh, parents and young adults, and really anybody who wants to come. Uh, And you need to register online if you're gonna come. Uh, Help us to know how much food to prepare. And of course, this is a, a Socially distanced time. Um, a lot of it will take place outdoors, hopefully around a fire if it's not too cold. On January 31st, we are going to be having what we're calling a socially distanced winter social. And um, this will be at 3 p.m. Sunday afternoon. We'll have some fun activities for our community to gather together and enjoy, uh, spend some time in fellowship distanced, of course, find out more about that on the website, and uh, we do hope and pray that um, you will join us for that. As we exit this space this morning, perhaps a little bit earlier than usual, I invite you to stand for the benediction as you are able. May the God who makes all things new be in your hearts and spirits this day. Amen. Go in peace.